Hello and welcome back. What are we talking about this week? What makes us fat and what makes us lean? And it's not about counting calories or counting points. Like so many of you are stuck in the hamster wheel of it is about hormones. So we're going to deep dive into exactly what makes us fat. We're going to get into the anatomy of a fat cell, what it does, how it actually has a brain. Did you know that a fat cell has a brain and is essentially an endocrine organ? So whether you are struggling with hypothyroidism where you are gaining weight and you can't lose weight no matter what you do, if your hormones are off, if you have insulin resistance that we have talked about before, we're going to deep dive into it again. So if you are struggling with any of that, today we are going to talk about it. We're going to set the record straight. We're going to get you on a path where you can actually start shrinking your fat cells instead of constantly growing your fat cells. Who wants to do that? Who wants to grow your fat cells and then have them explode and have inflammation all through your body? We're going to explain how when you grow your fat cells, you are messing up your own hormones and you're literally creating an inflammatory response in your body. I'm Amy Horneman, functional medicine practitioner, nutritionist, and specialist in treating thyroid conditions, broken metabolisms, and hormone imbalances. My goal for over 24 years has always been to help my patients get their life back. And that's what we're here to give you. We're giving you the simple, actionable strategies to actually fix your thyroid. That's why I created the Thyroid Fix Podcast. So if you're struggling with weight, energy, brain fog, and hair loss, then hey, you're in the right place. Let's get you fixed. So we said on the last podcast, and if you didn't listen to it, it was just a little one. You can go back and watch it. We said that a fat cell can't grow without the presence of insulin, even when swimming in a sea of calories. So what that means is you can take in a ton of calories, 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 and as long as there is low insulin or no insulin present, so think taking in a ton of calories and fat. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. You ate five avocados and five tablespoons of coconut oil and a cup of coffee with 10 teaspoons of heavy whipping cream, right? So all kinds of fat, tons of calories, 
virtually no insulin response by the body. So here's your fat cells swimming in a sea of calories. It will not grow. It will not grow. If there's insulin present, even in lowered caloric intake. So think uh, eating, think of you vegans and vegetarians when you're eating your Beyond Burgers and your lentils and your, your Ezekiel bread with some kind of hummus spread and two pieces of fruit. So carbs and sugar and high insulin and high insulin. And maybe you only had 500 calories total, but those calories spiked your insulin so much that here's your fat cell swimming in a pool of insulin. It's going to grow. So we talked about that on our last podcast. Now we're going to deep dive into it. I think we have to go over a couple of myths first. The first big one is eat less, exercise more. And so many of you know this is a myth. And so many of you are still stuck on the hamster wheel of eating less calories, restricting your food, being concerned about the amount of calories that you're taking in, you're tracking them, you're putting in MyFitnessPal, you're doing Weight Watchers, you're counting points. You are so consumed with the 1980s, 1990s thought process of counting calories and exercising more that you still believe that that works. So I will ask you, what is the definition of insanity? doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result each time. You don't get a different result because all that calorie counting and cutting and exercising and you're on your, you're the cardio queen at the gym or king at the gym is not working and you are not losing weight no matter what you do. So it comes down to what is internal, what is going on with your metabolism. So that's myth number one. Calories in, calories out, eat less, exercise more, does not work. Let me give you a quick analogy before I move on from that. So there is a doctor, a professor, and he asks his students when he's trying to get this point across about how eat less, exercise more doesn't work. He says, okay, and you can answer this question for me. What would you do if I had a huge feast plan of all this fantastic food, the best food that you can imagine. What would you do to ensure that you would come hungry so you could eat as much as you wanted to and you could sample all of this fantastic gourmet food? What would you do? Well, the students answer, what we would do, we'd skip meals and we would exercise more so we could come hungry. Okay, now you're overly hungry. And what happens is, Hunger always wins. So think about that in the real world of eat less, exercise more. That's the same thing that you're doing day in and day out when you restrict your calories and you go to the gym for a couple of hours and spend hours on the treadmill. You're eating less, you're exercising more, you're becoming more hungry and hunger will always, always win. In addition to that, your metabolism will downshift. So the fastest way to lower your metabolism and lower your free T3, which is your active thyroid hormone, the fastest way to do that is to starve yourself and not literally starve. I don't mean take away your food or go on a fast. I mean, eat less, exercise more. So that is the fastest way to downshift your metabolism and keep yourself hungry. You hear my dog over here? He's freaking out. I think that he is eating less and exercise more. He did have a big run today. So he's just like 
all kinds of crazy. So if you hear background noise, that's Riley rolling on his bone. That's what's going on back there. Anyways, moving on. Myth number two, that fat cells are the, these inert blobs. They just sit there, right? Because we think of fat, we think of just blah, just sitting there, kind of all blobby. And they're not. And that's the phenomenal thing that we have to learn and wrap our brains around. Fat cells are actually endocrine cells that secrete hormones. They have a brain of sorts. So they can influence hormones in our body and they can influence our metabolic rate. So when insulin is elevated, the fat cell, we talked about it swimming in a pool of insulin. When insulin is elevated, the fat cell actually accumulates energy. It takes in that, that insulin, accumulates the energy, and it grows. And the fat cell continues to grow and grow in the presence of insulin. When insulin is low, the fat cell will lose energy and release fat for fuel to be burned. So that's how we actually get these fat cells to shrink because we are removing insulin that usually causes them to grow. Now there's no insulin present. And so they shrink down, they release fat to be burned as fuel, as energy. And the fat cells know this. Also pro and anti-inflammatory hormones, cytokines come from fat cells. So I said earlier, and you've heard me talk about insulin resistance over and over again. If you need the bone up, go listen to a past, past podcast on insulin resistance. You can find it at the Thyroid Fix podcast on any podcast platform. So you get your iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Because I refuse to call them Apple Podcasts. I'm old school. They're iTunes. And Google and Spotify and Amazon Music, all of those. Go back, bone up, listen. But, and we will go over insulin resistance today, so bear with me. But we talked about insulin, insulin resistance before. We'll go over that. A fat cell will actually become insulin resistant and grow. So in the presence of insulin, here's your little fat cell. Now it's becoming resistant and it's growing and it's growing and it's releasing these pro-inflammatory cytokines to inflame the body. So now you have an issue with this inflammation response in the body, which is why we tie other disease states like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, obviously type 2 diabetes, back to having that insulin resistance, having more fat on the body. That's why we're tying it back because they're so closely related. When a fat cell becomes insulin resistant, it grows and then it just, it, it's a feedback loop. So now you're getting fatter and you're more insulin resistant and you're eating wrong and you're more insulin resistant and you're getting fatter and you're more insulin resistant. And it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. And eventually we see diseases like type 2 diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, which is now being called type 3 diabetes because of its correlation to high insulin levels. Now we're seeing all of these diseases begin and that's why we're obese as a nation. That's why we have more cancer rates than ever before. That's why we have such an awareness of Alzheimer's because we're seeing it more and more. It's not just old age and forgetting things. We are actually seeing a decline. And I see it personally firsthand in my family with my mother. We're seeing a decline in the brain to where a person becomes mush because their brain is so filled with plaque from the high insulin pumping out over and over and over again throughout a lifetime, that that's where we end up. But we don't have to end up that way. Not only can you look and feel better and actually feel good about 
putting on clothes and heading out the door, but you're also preventing for the long term. You can't sit there and say, that's never going to happen to me. You're actually doing prevention now for the long term. So fat cell, insulin resistant, it grows, it starts leaking fat, but you might think it's a good thing. It's not leaking fat in the way that it's releasing fat to be burned as fuel. It's leaking it, but it's not reducing the fat in the body. It's leaking those pro-inflammatory hormones with it. So that's where we get into that vicious cycle. You've heard me talk about leptin. That's the satiety hormone that is also secreted from the fat cells. You can see how these fat cells, they're kind of smart. That's why we need to give them credit. They're smart. They're part of the endocrine system. We have now learned that they are not just blobs. They're, they actually have an endocrine place. They have a brain. They secrete hormones. They influence our hormones. So you have leptin. It's secreted from the fat cells. And that can actually stimulate the brain to release sex hormones. So let's think of this in terms of what we see in our kids these days. That's why we have these little kids going into puberty early. It's called precocious puberty. And that's why we have an increase in childhood obesity. There is an increase in childhood obesity, period. Look around, go to a school and just sit there. Well, no, don't sit there outside the school. You'll get arrested. Just look at a group of kids, okay? Go to your kids' friends' house and look at, look at them. Nine out of 10 of those kids will be obese. I promise you, unless you live in, you know, a sports run neighborhood that maybe they're not, but nine out of those tens will be obese. Kids will be obese. And this is why we are seeing girls, little girls having their periods, having, starting their cycles at age 10 and 11 these days, because what ends up happening is that the fat from the childhood obesity is pushing puberty to an earlier age because fat cells secrete hormones. They're secreting or they're causing the brain to pump out sex hormones. So now you have these little girls carrying more fat mass, pumping out sex hormones and the body thinks, oh, look at this. There's more estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. She must be fertile. And her cycle begins at too early of an age. Now, of course, that's in addition to being exposed to exogenous hormones. That's another topic. Just think about carrying extra fat. And that's why we see an increase in low testosterone in men, in adult men, because of in increased fat, as we are becoming more obese as a nation, increased fat when a man is carrying more fat, especially belly fat, that will actually increase his estrogen level because estrogen is stored in fat cells, it will increase estrogen level, which will decrease his testosterone level. And I have seen this increase like crazy over the last couple of years. Every time I talk to a man, I say, we have to check your testosterone and estrogen because there is, there has been a rash of low T, low testosterone in men across the board, all ages. And could it be because we are just simply carrying excess body fat as humans, as a nation, we are becoming fatter and fatter and we need to do something about it. But in order to do something about it, you have to learn what causes it. And it's not the calories in calories out model. It is just not. So when we're talking about fat cells, back to the fat cells, they actually have a very low metabolic rate. But a fat cell can increase its metabolic rate close to what a muscle cell is by changing insulin, by lowering insulin, by getting out of that insulin resistance state and actually increasing ketones that force fat cells to behave 
differently. So you've all heard of white versus brown fat. Sometime in your life, you've probably read an article of white fat, fat versus brown fat. White fat is just kind of there. Yes, it still has an endocrine place. Yes, it still signals the brain. It still secretes hormones like leptin and ghrelin. Still does that, but it's got a really low metabolic rate. It just kind of sits there. And to burn it takes effort. Brown fat, which we find in the chest cavity, and we can actually see it. So when we when we dissect it, we can actually see the color difference. Brown fat is more metabolically active. So we are now learning that we can change that white gloppy fat to brown fat, which is more metabolically active by decreasing insulin in the body. So you're actually changing that insulin response, you increase ketones in the body to be burned for fuel instead of glucose. And that fat can actually change from white fat to brown fat. When you think about muscles, they are so metabolically active, right? But we have more muscle on our body mass wise than we do our brain and our kidneys. Your brain and your kidneys actually are more metabolically active than your muscles. The kidney being the most metabolically active organ but mass for mass, pound for pound, size for size, it comes down to the muscle tissue being more metabolically active. So that's why we always say you increase your metabolic rate when you increase lean muscle tissue because that lean muscle tissue is so metabolically active. That's why you can see a difference in a 200-pound male that is obese versus a 200-pound male that is muscular and ripped. Both 200 pounds could be the exact same height, total difference in metabolic rate, total difference in body structure, amount of fat, fat percentage versus muscle percentage. That extra muscle that the guy over here has is burning fat. It's more metabolically active. So we not now know that we can actually change a fat cell to become more metabolically active like a muscle cell by decreasing the insulin, increasing ketones, getting it out of that swimming pool of insulin, and then you actually are changing white fat to brown fat. Think about the brain, right? The brain runs on glucose. We are a glucose-centered society because we overconsume carbohydrates. And even in our kids with ADD, ADHD, autism, we are increasing glucose by feeding them the chicken nuggets and the, the uh, chips ahoy and the cereals and all those yummy, yummy snacks. We are pounding their brains with glucose and we're expecting the brain to run on just that. What if you stepped back? Because we now know, we know with how, how high insulin affects the brain. We see it in Parkinson's patients. We see it in Alzheimer's. We see it in dementia. We see it in learning disabilities. We now know that high insulin levels will impair progression of the brain. So if you have an autistic kid, why are you feeding him sugar, 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 carbs, carbs, carbs? Why don't you try to get him into ketosis and see how his or her brain does running on ketones? Because we now know as well that not only does the body run better on ketones, not only does the fat change from white fat to brown fat, from lobby fat to metabolically active fat, we now know that that occurs. Why not try to run the brain on the ketones that the brain actually prefers to run on? 
Let's just give it a try. I digress there. I know it's not about lean and muscular and fat and not fat and getting lean, but I had to say it because when we're talking about the metabolically active parts of our body, our brain being the most metabolically active organ, well, kidneys actually, then the brain, then muscles, the brain actually does run better on ketones versus glucose. And this all comes together in lowering your insulin. It all comes together. So what else makes us fat? Then we come back to thyroid hormone and cortisol. These all tie together. So of course, our metabolism. You've heard me say this before. You know I'm a thyroid specialist. So our metabolism runs on thyroid hormone. The thyroid is the master gland that runs the show. So to have any amount of metabolism whatsoever, you have to have adequate amounts of thyroid hormones, specifically T3. So when we're talking thyroid hormone, we're talking T4 and T3. You need T3 thyroid hormone to get into the cell because our, our cells have receptor sites on them. Every cell has a receptor site for T3 thyroid hormone. You need adequate amounts of T3 to actually bind to the cell and give you a metabolism and grow your hair and strengthen your nails and give you a better mood and give you energy through the day. But when we're talking about losing fat specifically, you need adequate amounts of thyroid hormone. If you don't, if you have subclinical hypothyroidism, if you've been told that you are normal, but you still can't lose weight no matter what you do or how hard you try, then I urge you to look at your thyroid hormone profile. And that's everything. You've heard me say this before. I will repeat it again for anybody that might be new listening. TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, and the thyroid antibodies. Just spoke to a person the other day, new patient, thyroid antibodies present. If you need to go over the five stages of Hashimoto's, that's another podcast. Go back, listen. We can maybe put it in the show notes of which one that is. Five stages of Hashimoto's, antibodies are present. Thyroid labs still look decent, but not optimal. They're just starting to change. So does that person have an, a, an appropriate metabolism? Do they have a good metabolism? Is their metabolism running like it should be? No, because it's impossible. If you have Hashimoto's, there's that slow destruction of your thyroid. When the antibodies are present, we know that because the antibodies can come back as a false negative. So when the antibodies are present, we know you have Hashi. We know there's a slow destruction of your thyroid. Your thyroid in no way, shape, or form can produce the amount of thyroid hormones that it needs, T4 and T3. If it's not producing adequate amounts of T4 and T3, how are you going to have enough T3 to get into the cell to give you a metabolism to burn your fat, to burn that stored body fat that you so desperately want to get rid of. You can't. You need adequate amounts of T3 thyroid hormone in order to have any kind of metabolism, any kind of fat burning propensity whatsoever. What gets in the way of T4 to T3 conversion? Hashimoto's aside, let's say you're just, you thyroid, you're healthy thyroid, not a problem. Your T4 that's produced by your thyroid still has to convert to T3, the active thyroid hormone. What gets in the way of that? High insulin is one of them. We're not going to go into everything that gets in the way, but high insulin is one of them. So insulin is high. It's getting in the way of T4 to T3 conversion. 
And in another recording that you will hear, I believe next week, we will release that. I will talk about resistance of the cell to T3. And I give this analogy, I'll throw it at now, it won't ruin anything. There's no spoiler alerts here. If the insulin is high, and we already said that in the presence of insulin, the fat cell can actually secrete inflammatory, pro-inflammatory hormones, cytokines. So now the fat cell is inflamed. Your body's inflamed. Everything around the fat cell is inflamed. And here comes T3 running along looking for its receptor. Well, you know when everything is inflamed, it's all like kind of red and foggy and mucky. So here comes T3 trying to find its receptor site on the cell, and it can't. It can't find it. There's so much inflammation in the body. So high insulin, I believe, will prevent T3 from even attaching to its receptor site because it makes sense that it would do that. Too much inflammation in the body is going to prevent all hormones from working properly, from methylating properly, from finding their receptor sites properly. High insulin will also interfere with T4 to T3 conversion. So there's another problem. We've already connected those two. And I always say the double whammy to your metabolism is having insulin resistance or maybe you're full-blown type 2 diabetic and a thyroid problem at the same time. It's the double whammy to your metabolism. And to get that fire going, to get your metabolism up and running, there's a lot of work. We have to take down that insulin. We have to fix your thyroid and optimize your thyroid. But those two factors are really going to affect you. They're really going to affect your metabolism and your ability to lose weight. The other factor is cortisol. So high cortisol levels kind of have a back and forth feedback loop with insulin. So when insulin is high, we also can see a stress response in the body because of the inflammatory cytokines that are released. And then, so insulin high cortisol goes up in response to that stressor of being constantly inflamed. Carrying extra weight is a stressor. Obesity is a stressor on the body. So you can have higher than normal cortisol levels when all those other factors are in play. High cortisol will also interfere with T4 to T3 conversion, and it will create also, so it will exacerbate the inflammatory response of the body when cortisol is all, always, always, always running high. So think about the morning, morning awakening response with cortisol. Cortisol rises to wake us up. This is where the feedback loop comes in. Cortisol rises to wake us up. Glucose comes up. So we see it if we're testing our glucose, if we're using a, a constant glucose monitor, we'll see glucose come up because cortisol comes up. And then insulin rises to take care of the glucose. If you're insulin resistant, now you have too much going on. Now you're in that fat storage mode. Nothing really you can do about the cortisol awakening response. That's just something that normally happens to us because we need that high cortisol to wake us up. The problem is, is if it remains high throughout the day. So now you're running this high cortisol throughout the day. You're running a high glucose throughout the day. Insulin's high throughout the day. It never comes down. You are in nothing but a constant fat storage mode. And that high cortisol level is interfering with your thyroid function. Now you have that perfect double whammy to your metabolism. Actually, now it's a triple whammy because now you're running high cortisol all through the day. And it's a constant feedback loop over and over and over again. 
the question becomes now, what can we do? That's what's on your mind right now, right? What can I do then? So I had mentioned ketosis earlier. One thing you can do is start to dabble properly with the ketogenic diet. Now, I've talked about this before. Don't click off. Don't push stop. Don't push pause. Don't leave me here yet because your eyes are rolling. There is a right way and a wrong way to do the ketogenic diet. If you present to me, if you are my patient and you have high insulin, you have insulin resistance and you are fasting insulin. So when we're testing it, that fasting insulin is above a six. Your glucose is either too high or too low. So yes, we want it around an 86, but if you're coming in at a 78, you have reactive hypoglycemia, meaning it was really high at some point in time. So glucose high above an 86 or too low, like below, like a 78 or below, an A1C above a five, a fasting insulin above a six, all indicative of insulin resistance. Also, if you have... If you get a lipid panel and you have high LDL, high triglycerides, not enough for a statin, but that is indicative of insulin resistance. We bring down the insulin. Those all come into play too, just as a side note. So we have to lower your insulin. What did we say at the very beginning? In the presence of insulin, a fat cell will grow regardless of caloric intake. Calories can be high, 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 swimming in a pool of calories. But if insulin is low, a fat cell will shrink. How do we make insulin low? I gave you the example of eating nothing but fat. So fat does not cause an insulin release at all. Protein causes a moderate insulin release. We have to take into account that you don't eat too much protein because that not can cause insulin to be secreted. And it can still put you into a state of insulin resistance. I've seen it in people who overconsume protein. And then carbohydrates, big insulin spiker. Now, that's not to say that you have to eliminate them completely. You can do a modify, but one way or another, if you are carrying excess body fat, if you are telling me that you can't lose weight no matter what you do, if you're in the the cycle of counting calories or counting points or killing yourself at the gym, you need to stop. You need to lower your insulin. It's not that hard to do. It really isn't. You need to lower your carbohydrate intake, increase your fat, and keep protein right in the moderate range. Obviously, I recommend working with someone such as myself because we can do up a diet for you that is actually easy to follow, gives you a bunch of ideas, and then you can start experimenting on your own. Here's what people do when they decide to cut carbs. The nothing but the package stuff, so like Slim Fast has a keto line now. Um, they're eating anything that says keto on the front, keto granola, they're eating nuts out the wazoo. They're not getting in any green vegetables. They're eating bacon and pork rinds and cheese. Like it's going out of style. That's the wrong way to do it. There's a healthy way, the right way, and then the unhealthy wrong way. So you need something that is tailored to you and you need to do this correctly. But once you do it correctly, it's a beautiful symphony that happens in your body as the fat cells shrink and inflammation goes down and then your thyroid works better and your lipid panel comes in nice and pretty that your doctor will be so proud of. You have to lower your insulin. To do that, you need to lower your carbohydrates. So that's step one. Now, then from there, we can talk about actually getting into a state of ketosis. 
So when you get into a state of ketosis, you can use things like exogenous ketones. I've talked about designs for health keto nootropic drink. I've used it every day for the past year and a half. It has definitely helped me keep off the, I would say, extra 10 that I was carrying around a year and a half ago. Not that you would look at me and say, man, that chick needs to lose 10 pounds. But I can tell now my clothes are fitting much better. I'm much more comfortable in absolutely everything I put on. So ketonotropic drink by Designs for Health. We'll put a link in the show notes too for you to that particular product. I use that as an exogenous ketone to actually raise my ketone level to keep me in a fat burning state all day, every day, despite the carbohydrates that I eat. Now, that doesn't mean I can go out and eat McDonald's and bread and ice cream every day and still use my ketonotropic drink and get away with it. But it is a very nice crutch, and I like the way it tastes. It tastes like tang, so I'm kind of addicted to it at this point. It makes my water taste better. Helps me drink more water, too. So I use the ketonotropic drink, exogenous ketones, to bring me into a state of ketosis. And then that way, I don't have to keep my carbs plummeted low. I have a little bit of, of leeway. I have a little bit of give and take. But I'm at the point now I'm not trying to lose anymore. I'm just maintaining. If you're trying to lose, then use that ketonotropic drink or exogenous ketones to bring you into a state of ketosis while taking your carbohydrate intake down, down. And do not go by net carbs. That is the lazy man's excuse to eat more carbs. You don't go by net carbs. You go by total. So I don't care if something says one gram of net carbs, but you turn it over. I just had a question yesterday from a patient, keto brownies. I said, you can make them. Just make sure you don't eat the whole tray. Like maybe someone in this room has, Um, but I digress again. I'm thinking about the brownies, see? But it has one net carb on the front. And then it has 16 actual carbs per brownie. So yeah, go ahead and eat two. There's some fiber in there. There's good fat. It's cool. Try to stay under 50 to 60 carbs. Even if you eat two brownies, that still gives you some leeway for the rest of the day. No, you don't have to count every single carbohydrate in every red pepper that you eat. There's some leeway there. That's why I say just work with somebody because you can really go down a a crazy rabbit hole of counting carbohydrates if you try this on your own. So I recommend working with someone. I I recommend working with someone. Next step is to get your thyroid optimized. Get all the lab tests done, all of them. And then let's look to see, is there something going on there with your thyroid that maybe you're subclinical, maybe you're in stage two of Hashimoto's, something that we need to address and treat in order to get your metabolism back up. Now, maybe your thyroid is just fine. Maybe it's just the insulin resistance over here that we need to take care of. Maybe you have low vitamin D levels. So I did put a link in the description. We'll put in the show notes. Uh, link to the, um, oh, my free book, 12 Weeks to Weight Loss. So giving you a free book, wrote it a few years ago, basic step-by-step guide, but it'll give you all these things to think about, like insulin, like thyroid, like environmental factors. Vitamin D is one of them. Low vitamin D, bad for insulin resistance, bad, 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 bad for the brain, bad for your mood, bad for your immune system, Really bad if you have Hashimoto's, you want that vitamin D level up and bad for obesity and insulin resistance. So you do not want a low vitamin D level. Take care of that. That's easy to do. Vitamin D with K, 
get that vitamin D level up. Make sure your vitamin D is optimal. But we really have to think about insulin, thyroid hormone, and cortisol. So we treat the insulin resistance. We treat that with berberine. We use a low-carb diet. We optimize your thyroid. We get all the testing done. Maybe there's medication that needs to be used. Maybe we can do this naturally and just support thyroid function. We get your vitamin D levels up. We address cortisol. So with cortisol, you got to chill out. You got to lower your stress. You have to do yoga. You got to do meditation, pray, whatever it is you do to lower your stress. But also, maybe you need a four-point salivary cortisol panel. And I say this because you can't just test cortisol in the morning with blood. You can't. You can't. That gives us one point in the day. And what if you come in high? right? What if that morning blood test of cortisol is elevated, but then we test you through the rest of the day using that four-point panel, spitting in a tube, salivary cortisol panel, and here you are flatlined high. That's a problem. You would never know that with just one point tested in the morning. You would never, ever, ever know that. So here's your cortisol riding high all through the day, keeping your insulin elevated, keeping you in a stressed out state, keeping you in an inflamed state, keeping you in a fat storage mode, you got to get that cortisol down. So there are certain things that we can use throughout the day. In addition to optimizing your thyroid and lowering your insulin, we can use certain products to actually bring that cortisol level down. This does not mean run out and throw ashwagandha in the mix, please. That's what everyone does. They go out and they get ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is great in some instances, but you have to remember that it can also push cortisol up. So if you're riding high throughout the day, you may be doing yourself a disservice by just throwing in ashwagandha willy-nilly whenever you think about taking it. There are times that we use ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is better for males than females. So don't just start using things just because you read it somewhere or heard it in a blog or I don't know, read it on Facebook because I always say this, your your boyfriend's sister's boyfriend's aunt's sister used it and thought it was good because she heard it on Dr. Oz. That's the last thing you want to do. You need this personalized to you. So you need some answers, right? You need some answers first. How can you tell if you're insulin resistant just at home? Because you're like, uh, I've asked my doctor for these tests before and it's just not happening. First of all, you can get a glucometer from Walmart, test your glucose, but remember the glucose can lie. So ultimately we want a couple different tests throughout the day, fasted in the waking, but remember the cortisol awakening response. So that can be elevated. Then what you want to do is you want to test a half an hour after you eat. And then every 15 minutes after that for two hours. Now, if you can get a continuous glucose monitor, CGM, which insurances are not really thrilled about paying for because they're very expensive. I do not have one. I haven't even tried to get one because I know they're around $700. But I do know practitioners that have one. They wear one and they give you that reading all throughout the day, any point of the day. It's wonderful. So you can actually see instead of having to prick your finger every 15 minutes for two hours and write it down, you can actually see what foods are spiking your glucose, what foods are jiving with your body and keeping your glucose low, under 120. So ultimately, you want to stay under 120 any of those readings after you eat. The other thing you can do is see how you feel. 
So if you eat a food and you feel like a kid in a candy store, like you're all just jacked up and jittery and your heart feels like it's racing and and you're sweating a little bit and you're getting hot, you're probably spiking your glucose too high, thus spiking your insulin too high. The other thing you can do is just go to Ulta Labs. I'm going to put this down here. You go, what? what's Ulta Labs? Okay, Ulta Labs is a fantastic place unless you live in the state of New York or New Jersey or maybe Maryland too. Ulta Labs is a great place to order your own lab tests. So if your doctor says one thing you can do is go to Ulta and just order a la carte. So they have a great glucose and insulin. You kind of got to search for it. You got to type up, type in the search bar, glucose, insulin, scroll down, scroll down. It's super cheap. I want to say it's 29 or 39. So there's your fasting glucose and your insulin marker. Thyroid panels. They have a great one. I want it. It used to be called thyroid advanced. And I just sent it to a patient the other day. Now it's called something else, but it's $153. So type in thyroid, scroll down till you see $153. You get everything. You get TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, the two antibodies. They might even throw in a T3 uptake. I'm not sure. But that is way, way, way cheaper than getting a bill for a couple grand for thyroid labs that you tried to order yourself and your insurance wouldn't cover or begging your doctor and then you get your thyroid test back and then you see, oh, I asked for a full panel and I only got TSH and free T4. This does nothing for me. Then you have to go back. Now you're a month later, you're 10 pounds heavier. You have no answers whatsoever. So get that full thyroid panel done. Get your glucose and insulin done. If you have to go to Ulta and pay out of pocket, do so so you can get some answers. Get a glucose, a glucometer from Walmart if you can't get a constant, continuous, constant glucose monitor, a GCM, and start tracking. Maybe do a four-point salivary cortisol panel. That's through ZRT. I think they're the best at, at doing the uh, the salivary cortisol panels. They're the most accurate. They've been around forever, forever, forever. Their instructions are very clear on how to use them. So do a four-point salivary cortisol panel to see what is your cortisol doing throughout the day. Are you riding high? That's going to keep you in that constant fat fat storage mode. So what does it take to burn body fat? It's not counting calories. It's not counting points. It's looking at your hormones, looking at your what your body is doing, what your fat cells are doing. And you know what? By the way, get a leptin test too. There's something called leptin resistance. And we mentioned leptin earlier when we're talking about it being secreted from the fat cells. And we're talking about it stimulating the brain, releasing sex hormones. We're talking about that's why the childhood obesity is high, also precocious puberty, early onset puberty. So leptin is our satiety hormone. We have ghrelin, we have leptin. The way to remember these, ghrelin, your stomach is growling. So ghrelin is your hunger hormone. Leptin is your satiety hormone. We can be leptin resistant. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're hungry all day. When we first discovered the presence of leptin resistance, yes, it was in a, I believe he was a teenager, a teenage boy that was never, ever satisfied. I mean, could eat 24-7, could eat 20,000 calories a day or something high like that. It was crazy high. The kid was never satisfied. That message never got to his brain to stop eating. 
The other problem though with leptin resistance is it's very closely tied to thyroid disorders. It's very closely tied to insulin resistance. And if leptin resistance is present, the way to treat it is to treat insulin resistance and use T3 thyroid hormone. So it's kind of important. It can kind of give you a little, little inside peek into insulin and into your thyroid health, as well as getting the insulin and the glucose and the thyroid panels done. So get leptin too. Throw that in. Let's see if you're leptin resistant as well. Whew. Wow. 45 minutes of talking about fat. How about that? So as always, if any of you have any questions whatsoever, please reach out to me. So you can now go to my website, and click on book a call. And on there, I have a nice little intro video that tells you exactly how I work with patients. So you get kind of a, an overview right there. So you can say, hey, how long does she spend with patients? What does she do during the consultation? What do I get? Basically, I fix you. But I want to go into the details and tell you everything that you get when you're working with me. So you can go to my website at amyhorneman.com, click on book a call, watch the video, and then pick a day and a time for a discovery call. So we can learn more about you. You can learn more about what I do. Either myself or my head team member, Karen, will give you a call and we will deep dive into your health, answer any questions that you might have. So that is one way to get on the weight loss journey and improve your health and optimize your thyroid and fix your little broken metabolism there. And if you're not quite ready yet, then make sure you do subscribe to my podcast, The Thyroid Fix, because there's new episodes weekly. And that's a great way to binge listen and educate yourself. If you know the why, the how is going to get easier. So I encourage you to do that. Like I said earlier, you can find it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fix Podcast. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button so you get updated on every single episode that comes out. Go to my website at amyhorneman.com and feel free to follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.